Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. us together. So, well, the title of my message for today is very simple. It's titled, Together. Everybody say together. I'm doing a series on Reconnect this month, which I've titled Together. Everybody say together. Together. Uh, And I'm going to take my text from the book of Acts chapter 2 from verse 44. I want the ESV version. Uh, Acts chapter 2 from verse 44 to 47. Oh, something is wrong with the screen. Uh, what? Okay. Acts 2.44. They, they will fix that. Um, Acts 2.44 uh, to 47. Uh, I'm going to read it. It says, so let's do the old-fashioned way. Open your Bible or, you know, type, check on your phone. You say, ah, wow, some people have physical Bibles. Hey, these are the, I mean, my heroes, you know. You guys, are, you guys are ready and prepared. Amen. Say, what if an, you know, you guys know what an EMT is, right? <laughs> I'm not going to that. Say, Lord, an EMT lands in the United States or lands somewhere, and then all electronic just get fried. Are you still going to have your faith? <laughs> so you guys say, Where? where's my old Bible? Where's my old Bible? <laughs> God forbid, amen. All right, so it says then, all who believed, if you're following me, all who believed were together. All who believed were together. Everybody say after me, say all, all. who believed were together. And they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings. And they were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Wow. This is one of the most... um, you know, beautiful, exciting, joyful passage of scripture. I mean, you're talking about a company of believers, at least 3,000 of them, because previously in Acts chapter 2, we saw that Peter preached, and about 3,000 people were added to their numbers. So 120 were in the upper room, plus another 3,000 added, so we have about 3,120 people. (laughs) Amen. But they said 3,120 people were together. 3,120 people about, you know, were what? Together. That's an amazing feat. To have 3,000 people together. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. That's tough. In our world right now, it's so, it's so hard to get three people together. <laughs> and to be in agreement and to, you know, to eat and do all that. But just look at what the Holy Spirit did. But over 3,000 people 
together. And look at what they were doing. 3,000 people had all things in common. 3,000 people had all things in common. I want to you to understand what that means. What it means was, was that everybody had their possessions, right? But they didn't lay a claim on it. They just said, you know, my house, you can use my house. My car, of course, they don't have cars in those days. Maybe donkeys. Oh, my donkey. You know, ride my donkey. That's okay. Um, you know, my food is your food. Come on. Enjoy. They, that's what it means that they had all things in common. It means that they shared everything. Well, that's a miracle. How many of you are believing God for such a miracle to happen in our world, in our day? That's heaven on earth. Amen. <laughs> to happen where every one of us just gets to that point where our things are no longer just our things. You know, one of the, one of the, and I'm going to be talking a, a bit about it, so let me not jump to, let me not jump, let me not jump ahead of myself. I'll get to that in my message, but I wanted to mention one of the anomalies of the world that a lot of us are getting used to is what is, what is called individualism. There is no individualism when it comes to uh, the way God designed things in the Bible. It was collective. In fact, when you look at the universe, it was, it's all collective. Everything is interconnected. Uh, individualism is a recent invention. And if you still go to some more primitive cultures um, in some part of the world, you see that collective thing that is still very strong. It's, it's a recent, recent invention, you know. So um, we're going to be talking a, a, bit, a bit more about that as we move on, you know, this month. But just, let's just picture uh, that vision. I understand, you know, this was the vision that, what's his name, so, you know, Abil Heibel then, so that started Willow Creek. It was this verse that he was reading in Bible school, and his professor told him, how is it possible to, I mean, is it possible to build a, for God to build a church like this? And that's how Willow Creek Church, you know, started in those days. Based on this, he said, they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings. You know, when you get to a point where not only are you sharing, but you are actually going to sell other possessions that you have, like lands and all that, and you are saying, it's not mine. It's just, use it to help the poor. You know, it's like you're buying real estate now, buying something and saying, you know what, just use it to help the poor, or just use it, you know, people that need help, people that need this, whatever. That's what was going on in that place. That's a miracle. But that is heaven on earth. Amen. That is heaven on earth. They were, they were, then they were distributing the proceeds to all, to anybody who had any need. So basically, what they were doing, you see that, you know, poverty or lack was never the intention of God. It has never been the intention of God from the book of Genesis, not in the, in the ministry of Jesus, not in the Acts of the Apostles, Right? Whenever you saw need, God was always, you know, trying to meet. Do you get what I'm saying? To meet those needs. Amen. So they were distributing to people who had need. No, that was you. You need food in your house. Come on. Oh, you, what do you need? Oh, you need a car. Come on, take this car. Oh, you, what do you need? Oh, your donkey. Come on, get a donkey. You need your farm. You need a land. Come on, take this land and farm on it and all that. That was what they were doing. They were sharing. They were sharing. They, you know, there was, there was, you know, they were not thinking of themselves as individuals. They were thinking of themselves as a body, as a family, as a family, not as individuals. And then, day by day, attending the temple together, together, so they were meeting together, and then 
they were breaking bread. So they had small groups, small groups, just like what you just heard. We launched, we launched our small groups this semester, this semester of our small groups yesterday. So we're, we're, you're seeing pictures and all that. People were in their house connecting. I know that there's a, there a peculiar thing going on in the world right now and you know, some connections, you know, we can't really do it like we want to do it, which, you know, I'll talk about. But, you know, we thank God for technology now, and there are other ways that we can still make sure that we connect. But these small groups are so important. Um, small groups, um, you know, is a way of breaking bread. Everybody say breaking bread. Now, when you talk about breaking bread from a, from a Middle Eastern perspective, it is not just about eating. You understand? It's about fellowship. It's about communion. What is called koinonia in the Greek. If you remember in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He said, if any man opens the door to me, I will come in and I will sup with him or I will eat with him. So when they are breaking bread and eating with people, it is more than just we're just eating, right? It's like you are opening your life. So when they said they were breaking bread from house to house, they were opening their hearts to one another. They were opening their lives to one another. They were sharing their victories. They were sharing their successes. They were sharing their pains. And they were sharing their joys. That is the purpose of small groups. So that we share. All of us need to be able to do that. We need a group of people, a small group of people, because you can't do that among 3,000 people. That's going to take a long time. And that's not going to be as effective as, you know, you as them being divided in homes all over that city and sharing. So that's what small groups are for. And then they were so they were receiving their food with glad and generous heart, open hearts, single hearts, praising God. And then there was favor and there was people were being drawn to the church. Amen. Well, that's an amazing thing. And I want us to believe God that that same spirit will be upon us at the City Light Church. Can I get a big amen? And upon the church in Chicago, the big C church in Chicago, amen, that that same grace and that spirit will just be upon us all over the land where we're eating together and all that. You know, there has been an emphasis on large group meetings, you know, but that was never the emphasis of the, of the Bible. In the Bible, that was never the emphasis. In evangelistic things and all that, they had large meetings. But the emphasis of the Bible has always been smaller and smaller groups meetings. Amen. Because that's where kingdom truly, truly takes place. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We do that. We come together to celebrate. You know, small group meetings, so large group meetings gives you the power to make certain kind of a difference in the community. You understand? Because the world is very focused on numbers. And God is very smart. You understand? You know, there was a time that Paul was in a city. God told Paul, don't be afraid because I have many people in this city. They can't do you any harm. That was God talking to Paul. He said, don't be scared because I have much people in this city. They can't do you. So there's people power. So the church needs to come together in mass at certain times to show that there's power and there's a kingdom at work. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's why those who criticize large group meetings, they are also unbalanced. You know, you know, when it comes to the kingdom of God, you always have to walk the balance. You don't get into the ditch on, on either side of the road. Stay in the middle of the road. Large groups meetings have their purpose. Small groups meetings have their purpose. But when you want to talk about the New Testament pattern of discipleship, of growing and all that, it is in small groups. It is in small groups. 
Amen. Is that good? Can I get a good amen from those watching online? Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. So, so let's dig into it. My message starting this in a week is together. Everybody say together. So now that together is what over the last few months has been attacked. That word together. Over since coronavirus started. Together has been under assault. <laughs> together has been what? <laughs> under assault. That's one of the consequences of that virus. The virus came with certain terrible stuff, death and disease. But there were also some other consequences like the breaking of fellowship in certain, uh, certain ways, including especially with children, that children are supposed to interact with other kids physically. But a lot of kids, for the past few months, all they've been interacting with is screens. But we thank God for that. But what I just want to tell you is that the virus, this uh, epidemic, a pandemic that came, has disrupted certain things in the order of God. There's, there's a gap that's still there in the way God designed things to be. So it's not the perfect system. But we thank God for ingenuity in navigating it well. I thank God because in City Light Church, we've been able to navigate it well. You know, but there are a lot of people that are not navigating it well also. And we have not navigated it perfectly, too. So, like, coming together physically is essential. Um, children, being together, learning together is essential. Eating together. I mean, you know how much we used to eat at City Light, man. You know, I was looking at our, <laughs> like, looking at the finances for last year. I'm like, wow, we saved a lot of money on food, man. Well, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> it's like the budget of food, you know, we used to eat, eat, which is good. Amen. We're going to get back to it, but, you know, <laughs> so eating, you know, downstairs right now, somebody has some food and all that, you know, but I have something for you today. Today you are going to eat, you know, because there's food for you today. Amen. Everybody's going to get meat pie a puff puff today, courtesy of my mom. <laughs> Reconnect, amen. <laughs> so, so you know, playing together, playing together. You know, the green room used to be, you know, like a lot of people playing downstairs, you know, outside, you know, just so many things. Wow. Serving together. There are a lot of people that have not been able to come to church, you know, you know because they have kids and some other reasons, you know, for us. But, you know, there, there are ways to navigate this. But I just want to tell you that we are in an abnormal, sort of an abnormal period. But um, we can learn to navigate it, and that's part of what I want to talk about this morning. What about those who are actually together but not together? <laughs> that's, you know, it's one of those things that the pandemic has brought. The pandemic shot certain people together at home and all that. But rather than it fostering their togetherness, it has fostered separation. Because as you will see later, as I continue to teach, there are places and faces of togetherness. There's physical togetherness, and there's what? Being together in spirit. You know, some, yeah, sometimes people are together physically, but they're not together in spirit. It's also one of the effects of the, you know, some people, you know, you know, especially at the beginning and going forward, some people just learn, they say that, man, who would you like to be quarantined with? It's like, man, that, 
I don't know what they say, something like that. You know, being quarantined where they are, they were just not pleased there because they're not used to it. They're used to being up and everything. But people being together um, has created certain things in couples and all that. That's brought certain things out that you never knew was there, right? Because you've never spent that much time together at home or together with children, with kids. You've never spent that much time together, you know. And so, you know, certain emotional things have come up. So I'm trusting God that this month, God will help us to navigate together together. Amen. Well, through his will. So, I'm going to be talking about it from four points for today, I, and then I'll, I'll continue it next week. The first, uh, the first point is the plan for together. My first point today will be the plan for together. My second point will be the patterns of together. My f- third point will be the purpose of together. And then my fifth point will be the practice of together. So let's get into it. So let's talk about the plan. Sorry, the the what? Yeah, the plan for together. The plan for together. I began to talk about it a little bit, but um, I want to go a little bit deeper into it, uh, about how God uh, designed it. God planned that we experience his best on earth together. It's part of how we were designed it's part of how this world was designed. It was designed to be experienced together. Amen. How many of you know certain things that you can't enjoy alone as much? For example, watching the Super Bowl alone is not as enjoyable, right? As watching it with what? <laughs> together. Sport. Watching sport generally alone. You just be shouting at the TV. Nobody can hear you. Move! <laughs> you know, touch down! You're shot. <laughs> you know, what do you want to do? You want to, you know, when I'm watching sports like that, I want to lift somebody up and use them as touchdown. <laughs> you know, I want to, you know, I want to just go rowdy and everything. It's not, those things are not meant to be done separately. There are several other things that you can't do uh, that, you know, you can't enjoy if you just do it alone. A lot of things like that. You need people to be able to do it. You need people. So God planned together. Let's look at some scriptures to, uh, to just, and then we, we just deal with each and every one of them. The first one is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our own image to be like us. Now, you will notice that the, the uh, what do you call it? The pronouns being used in that place, see us there. Can you see? It's plural, right? It's collective. So God was talking about himself in a collective way. Do you get it? So that's God even telling us that even he himself, he operates together. He doesn't operate as a singular person. You will see, if you see all the, all the works of God in the Bible, you will see that he always operated collectively. You know, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, so they have different parts and all that. So he says, let us, so we're going to create, but it's going to be us. 
making human beings in our image, our, our image. So it didn't say in my image, in our image. So man or humanity or, or human beings, are going, they're going to have the image of the Spirit, the Son, sorry, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To be like us. Then when it came to human beings, he uses the word they. Everybody say they. They. He didn't say he to Adam. No. He said they. Because when God was looking at Adam, he was looking collectively. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry. And then verse 28 says, and God blessed them. Them. He blessed them. And then he spoke to them collectively. He didn't speak to one person. He spoke collectively to humanity, to, to them together. He said, be fruitful. So you need to understand, you know, from this particular passage, that from, the, from our original design, according to the revelation of scriptures, our creativity, our fruitfulness, our image bearing and likeness expressing, you know, according to God's pattern, is going to be done only maximally collectively. Meaning that you can never succeed or fulfill your purpose, maximize your life, except you are part of a company. Except you are part of a company. It was never individualistic. It's not possible. We are an ecosystem. We are a collective. God is looking at us collectively. Individualistic religion or, sorry, practice, individualistic practice of Christianity is something that came with the rise of the Western world. That's where it came from. But from its very origins, it was never like that. In fact, in those days, when people got born again, reading Acts of the Apostles, when some people give their life to Christ, their entire family would just give their life. Because everybody's connected. The jailer, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you and your family shall be saved. <laughs> so the whole family just gets saved. Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10, we read it. Oh, is it, oh sorry, is it Cornelius? Or, yeah, Cornelius, right? Is it Ananias or Cornelius? Cornelius, yeah. Cornelius, his whole household, right? He called for Peter to come preach, and then preach the whole household gossiped, the whole household was baptized, the whole household started speaking in tongues and all that. Collective. Everybody say collective. collective. I want you to get it. For those of you that have been westernized in your Christianity and Americanized in your Christianity, and it's not just in America now, it's happening all over the world, even in other parts of the world right now. We are picking up that thing, but it is not scriptural. It is not scriptural. It is not. You were not designed. Look at your bodies connected. And then we are all interconnected. And this virus and all is just telling us how much interconnected we are. We just didn't know that there were things that were passing, passing to one another, except some things happened to show that, you know, you're actually passing things. But it's not just virus and all that, but there are many things that we pass to one another. We're a collective. We are a collective. Someone say, we are a collective. What happens to you is happening to me. What happens to me is happening to you. What concerns you concerns me. And what concerns me concerns you. 
Your success is my success, and your failure is my failure. You know, we need to get to start thinking that way. You know, if we start thinking that way, a lot of competition will go. A lot of fighting because we, we I mean, because no man, no man yet, Jesus, I mean, Paul said, he said, no man hated his own body. No man, he was talking about man and wife there. He said, no man hates his own body, but he nourishes and cherishes it. Now, you need to extend it even beyond marriage. You understand? You are part of the body of Christ. You can't hate your body. I can't hate you. I can't hate my other pastors. I can't hate other churches. You get what I'm saying? I'm not a cancer. It's a cancer is when a cell of the body becomes rogue and begins to attack other cells and begins to grow beyond itself. Like, it's supposed, you know, the growth of cells are supposed to be measured, right? In proportion to all the other cells. But when a cell becomes rogue and just start growing, 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 they call it malignant. You know, that's how some people want to be. They want to grow, 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 grow at the expense of other people. They want to grow, 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 grow and leave other people behind. You become a cancer. It was never designed that way. We are all supposed to grow together. We are all supposed to grow together. We are all supposed to rise together. We are all supposed to grow together. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the concept God is trying to get us to start thinking in, in the church. Stop thinking about your church alone. Stop thinking about your family alone. Stop thinking about your ministry alone. Stop thinking about your purpose alone. Stop thinking about those things alone. Start thinking about our collective destinies. Start thinking about our collective destiny. Because if you become very, very rich and you're surrounded by all kinds of poor people, the poor people will steal your riches, break into your houses, and then they will... You get what I'm saying? If you are very, very spiritual and you're surrounded by people who are weak all around and you're not doing anything to lift them up, very soon their weakness is going to overwhelm your own strength. You cannot be an island unto yourself. So that's why I'm so committed to people's visions. I mean, I learned this thing. You know, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. It's an African proverb. You know, go together. Go together. People say it's lonely at the top. The reason why it's lonely is because when you were going to the top, you didn't take anybody with you. You didn't take anyone with you. That's why it's lonely. It's not lonely at the top. No. I'm enjoying. Because I have friends. I have people. You know, Jesus Christ never, even when he went to the mountain, he would take some people along with him. He understood the principle. Everywhere he went, he took somebody along. Stop trying to do this Lone Ranger adventurous journey alone where the whole world will now see me, that I am the best. No. <laughs> take people along, please. <laughs> if you want to last, take people along. Take people along. That's the way it is. Everything that we have, every one of you has it. That's just the way it is. That's the way I have always thought. That's the way we have always done our stuff. Everything we have belongs to everyone. That's the way it is. Amen. Amen. It belongs to everyone. We are a collective. No, Genesis 2.18, let's see. I mean, the plan for togetherness, Genesis 2.18. It is not good. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, this, is, this was being spoken in the context of marriage, of Adam being alone. But there's a general principle there, and that general principle is the principle of non-isolation. You can read it in my book. It's out there, The 21 Immutable Laws of Relationship, where I cover a lot of these things in there. It is, we can, you, one is too small a number to achieve significance. Significance. 
One is too small in number to achieve significance. You can't do it on your own. You can't. You are limited. You are limited. You can get some things done on your own, but you are limited. You can never reach the fullness of your potential until you learn to do together. Until you learn to start to learn to work together. And you know, working together is going to humble you. You understand? Because when you are working together, you are not going to go as fast as you will have gone by yourself. But eventually, you will discover that you gather more momentum and do more when you work together. When you work together, it's going to humble you because you are going to learn to be humble. Some people are going to offend you. Some people are going to step on your toes. And all kinds of things will happen. But you are going to grow. I just want to see live alone. You know, when I live alone, you know, I just have all my time to myself. I just have all my space to myself. You know, nobody disturbs me. Yeah, good. Enjoy your space, but you're not going to grow spiritually. Because those things are not going to be tested. Your spiritual development is not going to be tested. God uses people as tests. After you have prayed and you are on fire, then he will send a test to you in form of a person. I say, whether you are going to pass or not. Sometimes the passing is just the passing of apology. Sometimes it's the passing of appreciation. Sometimes it's the passing of shut your trap. Sometimes, you know, you know that's how you pass. Amen. But it's build, building you up. God is testing you with people. There's, you, know, you know, in my book, I talked about, you know, the law priorities and all that, principal priority and everything. In fact, the, the level, I call it the law of the measure, actually, in the book. The level of your spirituality is not measured by how much you can. You feel you are relating to God. It's how much you relate with people. You know, because Jesus, you know, John said, how can you say you, know, you love God who you can't see? <laughs> and you can't deal with your brother and sister that you can't see. And you know, how can you say you know God? No! The test of your spirituality is how you are able to interface it with living with people. How you are able to do together shows how mature you are. How you are able to do together shows how mature you are. Can I get some amen here? Is, you know, oh, come on, encourage me, encourage me. You know, I can't preach this thing alone. We have to preach this thing together. <laughs> amen. It is not good. It's an anomaly for us to be isolated separated, alone, and without connections. Never eat alone. I pray. Let's look at it. Jesus in the New Testament, John 17, 21. We're talking about the plan for together. I pray that you all will be one. John 17, 21. I pray. This was Jesus' prayer. I pray that you all be one. Just as you and I are one. That they all will be one. Just like you and I are one. In other words, he's saying that just like the Trinity, right? Just like what we saw in Genesis chapter 1, I'm praying for my church also that they will reflect the same image. That they will also learn to work together. That they all will learn to live collective, to be one. To be one. Just like you and I are one. So when you're talking about I'm the image of God, you, are, you, are, you have to put together into it. You, you express the image and the likeness of God when you are able to function it together. And you are in me, Father, and I am in you. Everything interconnectedness. You guys don't know it. We are what? Joined that way. We are all joined that way. We just don't know it. We are joined that way. And they may be in us 
so that the world will believe. So that the world will believe. So the world will believe when we begin to experience, we begin to, we begin to live in that oneness. You know, that was together can change our world. The togetherness of the church, the togetherness of our, you know, focus, mission, as I'll show you later, can change our world. When there's unity in the church, there will be great things in the community. Amen. The reason why the community is the way it is is because there's no unity in the church. Amen. Hallelujah. So the church impacts the community when it is in unity. The church is fighting. We are fighting over racial stuff. We're fighting over doctrines, fighting over, uh, you know, minor things and stupid stuff and all kinds of stuff. And while we're busy fighting, the devil is busy killing people all over our city. Because he's saying that the world, when we start getting our hearts together in unity, the devil will no longer be conquering us because we become that force of heaven on earth. He says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I will build my church. Somebody say together. together. Ephesians 4.16, still on the plan for together. Ephesians 4.16. It says, it makes the body to fit together perfectly. The whole body to fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other part grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is talking about design. Paul is talking about that the way God designed everything, designed the body, designed us as believers, is that he put us in a collective. And just like our human body is analogous to that, one member of your body can't operate and say, I'm operating on my own. Like, I'm just doing my own. No, they, everybody has to know their purpose. Right and focus. You know, I tell people like, listen, let me let me let me tell you the illustration that I think will help you, and you will never forget it. You see, walking in your purpose is like being a part of a car. Right? So being a part of a car, the wheel has its specialized duties. Right? The headlamp has its specialized duty, the windshield has its specialized duty, the carburetor, and all you know, all those parts they have their specialized duties. But they don't say, the will doesn't say, okay, I think I want to go here. Every one of you, you go in this direction. No. The, the, everything is controlled by the steering wheel. The steering wheel is the head of the body, Jesus Christ. So it controls it. So the wheel goes, everything works together in the direction that God wants things to go. So this individualistic thing, I don't know where it came from. That I just want to do my own thing. No. You do your thing and do it well, but do it in a collective. That's the correct design. You do your thing well together. In other words, you are so good at what you do, right? But you are doing it within together in such a way that all the other parts are growing because of what you are doing. That makes the body healthy. The moment a cell of your body begins to attack another cell, they have a name for it in medicine, begins to attack another cell, then there's a problem. Everything grows and is healthy when everyone knows their place and they are fulfilling their place in the collective. Can I get an amen here? 
You guys are looking at me like, oh, come on, pastor, what are you saying, you know? You guys are scaring me so much right now. Baby, please pray for me. They are, they are, their faces are scaring me. <laughs> the mask is just like, you know, you guys are like a mafia people, you know, like, they're going to get you. <laughs> Woo! Number two, the patterns of together. I'll stop wherever I can stop today, you know. We're going to take it throughout the month. The patterns of together. So, not only did God give us a plan, I mean, created a plan that everything is going to function by together, he gives us patterns. And I'm just going to show a few of them, you know, in the Bible. Like, he gives us examples all through the Bible of how togetherness is supposed to function. We already talked about the first one. He was the first pattern, so I'm not going to take too much time on that. In Genesis 1.26, he was the first pattern that he gave us. A pattern is like a, a model. It's like a, 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 you know, a prototype, something that you can watch and see that this is how it's supposed to be. He was the first a pattern that he showed. And if you study God all through scriptures and his work, you will discover that God does not act alone. If God made it, God is so connected to together, I mean, sorry, committed to together that even when he was giving Adam responsibility over the earth, and even though he is sovereign, in his sovereignty, he told Adam, you have dominion on the earth. And it's the reason why we pray now. When we pray, we're getting God together. We're getting God to walk with us together. He made our body his temple. He made us his hands. He made us his legs. He made us his expression on the earth. So when we pray, we're actually invoking together. God is so committed to together. He could do everything all by himself. But he chose, amen, that he was going to operate together with us on the earth. Everybody say together. So God was the first pattern. Genesis 11, 5 to 6, we see another pattern. Genesis chapter 11 from verse 5 to 6. So these guys were building a tower. The tower was going to reach heaven. And so God peeped in. He peeped through. He peeped from heaven, from his, you know, around there, and then he looked at the city. It's interesting to see that God looks at cities, right? God sometimes looks at homes. He looks at churches. Hmm. 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 I like that worship. Hmm. I love that. I love I love, you know, what these guys are doing. And, you know, you see, one of, the, one, of the th one of the things that impresses God, according to the Bible, we see it in the life of Jesus, one of the things that impresses him is faith, right? We are going to see it. The other thing that impresses him is collective faith. You know, that's very scriptural. It's collective faith. I'll show you later as we move on. So those people were breaking, they were breaking the roof down to bring the man to Jesus. And they said, when Jesus saw their faith, not his faith. When he saw their, what? Their collective faith. He spoke to the man. Your sin be forgiven. So God sees collective faith. Just like he sees our faith. But you know, it's become more powerful. Our faith. Our faith is more powerful than my faith. Our faith together is more powerful. Look at it. Genesis 11, 5 to 6. The Lord came down. So he's looking to look at the city and the tower that people were building. Look. He said, who is he talking to? He's talking again to what? <laughs> His together group, a small group. 
He's talking to a small group. Right? God has a small group. Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit. And sometimes they bring some angels in there to join the small group. Like Gabriel and all that. You know? But he has a small group. So God was talking to his own small group. He said, look. He said, I mean, some of you need to talk to your small group about things that you are observing. Things that you are seeing. Dreams that you have. Visions that you have. Said, look, guys. They all speak the same language. Unity. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Simply, God said because they are speaking the same language or they are united. God says the way I made them, I created them with this pattern, this plan, that they operate maximally when they are united. And I can see that function. I can see that thing in place right now. But what they are trying to do is not in alignment with me. But even though what they are trying to do is not in alignment with me, because I gave them dominion over the earth, they came in alignment. What they are going to do is still going to succeed, even though it's against my plans. These people don't know these things, you see. A unite, people, so let me say this way. People who are united in fulfilling what is not God's plans will be more successful than people who have God's plans and are not united. That is the story of the church and community. When they wanted to build the nuclear bomb, they came together, everybody. Manhattan Project. I think you guys have heard of the Manhattan Project, right? All kinds of whatever. They built it and they used it to kill people in Japan. In Japan. When they wanted to get man on the moon in 10 years, everybody got together, right? And they did it. You understand? Because it's part of the dominion of man that when we are able to come together, we get things done. You see, there are some groups within the nation. They are not as large as the overall nation, but they control everything because they are united. But the church, which has the most human resources possible all over, the devil has played division on us. And so we find ourselves incapacitated. You need to understand as you are watching me, the reason why the devil is attacking your home is not because of you or your spouse. He's attacking it because of the purpose and the plans that God has for you and your spouse and your children. There's something that God wants to build through you guys and the devil does not want it to be built, so he's going to bring attacks there. The reason why the devil is attacking the church is not just because of some people within the church and all that. No, it's because of the potential of the church. When the church is together, what the church can do, that's why the devil comes. It divides to conquer. Whenever you see division and strife, stamp it out because you are about to open up yourself to being conquered. Stop, you know, stop carousing, carousing, uh, what do you call it, divisions and strife and malice. Stop, you know, welcoming it. The moment you see it, stamp it out immediately because it is an emissary. The devil is going to follow for where there is conf- where, where there is strife and, and, and whatever, where, where there is, how did James say, it? where there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. There is. Fight it immediately. Stamp it out immediately. We are supposed to function together. Leadership teams, we are supposed to function together. Never be the one who divides. 
Never open up yourself to the devil to be a divider. Always be a uniter. Always strive to maintain the bond of the spirit and the bond of peace. The unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In, 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 in your homes, always strive you know, to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You know, strive to hold things together. Don't, hold, don't say, okay, no, no, it's not going to hold together if they don't do my thing. No, your thing is to make sure that things hold together. After this, nothing they do. Say, oh God, help us fulfill our vision. And we clear it, 2021 vision and all that. Do this one first. Be united and see your visions begin to come to pass. Without stress. Without stress. Because we are together. Somebody say together. So what did God do? God, God is a system engineer, right? So he knew the system he designed. That whenever people, when things work together in unity, it doesn't matter whether it's what he wants or not, because he put it there on the earth, it's going to work, because he already put the system in there. So what God did, God re-engineered the system. So he just changed their programming language. <laughs> he, programmed them, he programmed them with new, <laughs> with different languages. So when one is speaking this word, the other one is speaking another thing, the other one is speaking another thing, so they couldn't communicate anymore. And so the work could not go forward. So God just tweaked the system a little bit and gave different languages. But you know what God did in Acts of the Apostles chapter 2? When they said people were gathered from all nations and then they began to speak in other tongues and they were speaking languages of different nations. When what God did? God reprogrammed everything and gave us the ability to speak united. Even though we are from different diverse, you know, we are from diverse ethnicity, cultures, backgrounds, and all that, we're still able to speak the same language. Can we get an amen? amen. So we're saying that what happened at Babel? I am. I am what? So this one, they wanted to spread on the earth, spread to the earth without God's plans at Babel, right? So God scattered them. On the day of Pentecost, God wanted it to go to the end of the earth. What did he do? He united their language. Everybody say unity. Together is the, is the language of creativity, dominion, and fulfillment of God's purpose. So we see the patterns of together. The patterns of together. Luke chapter 5 verse 19. Let me just show you one more. I have a lot, 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 lot more. But I just wanted to show you three. The patterns of together. Please play something for me. He said, they couldn't reach him. So these guys came. There was a man that was paralyzed. So Jesus was teaching in a particular place. I mentioned it. He said, they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Next verse, verse 20. Verse 20, please. Seeing their faith. See what? Not seeing his faith. That guy that was lying there, it wasn't just his faith. In some places, they will see his faith. No, no, Jesus saw their faith. He saw collective faith. He says, young man, your sins are forgiven. You guys need to know that sometimes when God sees the faith of the parents, you will have mercy on the children. Young man, your sins are forgiven. When God sees the faith of together, 
it will, it will cover the sins of some. Yeah. You guys don't know it. One of the purpose of the church is what is called covering. That's why when Paul wanted to deal with a man, the man was committing sin, right? Terrible. But when Paul wanted to deal with him, he said, you have to you know, remove him from the church so that the devil can't touch him. The devil could not even touch the guy because the guy was in the church. So you deliver him to Satan. In a sense. So there's a measure of protection that is there just because you're part of a church. But don't, you know, don't bank on that, you know. Do you get what I'm saying? I say I can do anything because, you know, I know that Pastor Omo is praying for me. And, you know, that's a big that mistake. Amen. Of course, Pastor Omo is praying for you. You understand? But I'm just telling you, you need to understand it, that there's a mystery of what the church is all about. There are some things that just prosper in your life because there's collective faith. There are some things that are happening to your life right now. It's because of collective faith. You get what I'm saying? It's because of collective faith. It's because there's, there's, you know, there's a, there's a prayer, a covering. There's something covering. There's prayer team praying for people every week. You know, the, the leadership team. The, you also are praying. There's a five, a live at five. There's all kinds of things going on, going on, going on, going on, going on. There's a lot. Of, there's a collective. There's a together that is ongoing. That we need to understand. God sees collective faith. So He's showing us as part of the pattern. Let me, let me. Um, find a way to land for today, I am going to have to continue. I think I will jump because this one is much. Um, I have to find a way to land this message. But I cannot take my two other points because of time. So pray for me right now. Let's do it together. Come on, pray, pray, pray. Come on, pray, 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 pray. pray. Say, Pastor Lang, help him, help him to land this plane. The plane is in the air right now. <laughs> I'm looking for the wrong way. <laughs> how, how do I land this plane, you know? Because my landing, you know what they call my landing gear were in my last two points. You know, so God saw, Jesus saw their collective faith. And then he said, Your sins are forgiven. So he sees collective faith. So how do we how do we act on what we have, you know, what we have heard today? How do we practice it? How do we make it real? We're gonna continue talking about t- together. How do we make together real? The one thing I want to talk about today, and I'll continue next week, is the first step to together is to choose together. Everybody say choose together. Choose, choose it. Make a choice. Amos chapter 3 verse 3. Choose together. Oh, I found my landing spot. Woo! Fasten your seatbelt, everybody. <laughs> Uh, give me the um, NIV. It's the same thing, except without agreeing on the direction. But I love the way NL, NIV says, do two work together unless they have agreed to do so? Do two work together unless they have what? Agreed so. So when you talk about the first step to practicing together, it's a decision. It's a quality decision that I am going to exalt together. I'm going to do it together. And that is what I want us to do today. I want us, based on the message we have heard today about uh, the, the, the pattern, the plan for together and the patterns of together that God has shown us. I want us to start by you saying I am going to go for together. 
Come on, let's rise up on our feet and let's pray over there. I'm going for together. Please let me pass the communion. I am, thank you, going for together. Everybody say, I'm going for together. I had, can we make an agreement, everybody, that we're doing this together? Come on, come on, come on. Can I get a witness? Can we make an agreement? All right. Everybody say after me, say, we are deciding today that we're serving God together. We're growing together. We're maximizing life together. We're doing life together. We're doing small groups together. Amen. We're praying together. We're serving together. We're living together. We're going through our pains together. We're dealing with the challenges of life together. I will say, I will not be isolated. Come on, I can't hear you saying it, everybody. Come on, say, I will not be isolated. Say, I make a commitment to be part of this collective of what God is doing, of bringing heaven to earth in Jesus' name. Say, Lord, you have my agreement and you have my decisions. That I will not operate alone. But I'm going to operate together with you and together with your body. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can I get some celebration in there? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. So we're going to do something that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us. He gave this to us, and it's part of the ways that we, we practice together. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 33, please. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 33. Paul was talking about the communion. After talking about the communion, he says, So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather together to eat, listen, oh, there's a mystery here. He said, when you gather together to eat, you should all eat together. I mean, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds strange. We already gathered together to eat. Then you're not telling us we should what? All eat together. It's like it's playing on words. Yeah, because what he's saying is that it is possible to gather together to eat, but not eat together. Can I get an amen? You can all be, you can all be on the Thanksgiving table or eating, but you are not together. You're not eating together. That's what was happening in Corinthians. They would gather together, right, to eat, but they were not together. There were people in the church that were being, you know, poor people and all that, that were not getting their own portion. Some people were eating before others. Some people were eating more than others. And apart from that, their hearts were not together. So Paul told them, he says, whenever you eat, I want you to discern the body. Everybody said, discern the body. You know, that's, that's in some verses before this. He said, he said, whenever you eat the communion, he said, you do it worthily when you are conscious. The word discern the body means that you are conscious that you are in a collective. Did you get that? It means that people have brought, you know, people, people have brought all kinds of, uh, what do you call it? Revelation out of it. discerning the body. What does it mean to discern the body? You know, they say, don't take the communion because, you know, if you take the communion and you have sin in your life and you have this in your life, you are drinking judgment, you have all that. No, no, what he, what he was thinking about was very specific in that place. What he was saying is that 
Please give, give us an LT. You see, if you are eating and drinking without a recognition of the collective, a, a recognition of the body of Christ, respecting the fact that you are in a body, you are eating unworthily. Because the whole purpose of communion is to show that we are together. No, no, don't drink it individual, in, you know, with an individualistic mindset. That's what he's saying. Deal, drink it with a recognition that you are together in a collective. Amen. And it is the body of Christ. So listen, if you are watching this right now, I want to quickly pray. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are not part of the body, this is not for you. The first thing you need to do is to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I say, Jesus, I receive you and I accept you as my Lord. So let's bow down our heads and let's help some people to pray. Whether you are in the auditorium or you are watching me online right now, I want you to just, you know, if you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to just pray a very simple prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I accept you. I receive you into my heart. I give you my life. And I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross. Come everybody, say it after me too. You know, say, I believe you died on the cross. And you rose again. And you are seated in, in the heavenly places as Lord over all. So I bow and submit myself to your kingdom and to your Lordship. From this day, come into my heart and live there and make me your own. I renounce Satan and all his works. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have prayed that prayer, you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. You prayed it sincerely. You have heard you. It doesn't matter how you feel. You have made him the Lord of your life. Then you are qualified to take this thing. But it says when you are taking it, think of the collective. So what I want us to do right now as we take the communion today, I want you to think of those who are connected to you and I want you to say a prayer for them. Not for yourself at this time. Do you get it? Think of somebody especially somebody that maybe in your heart right now you don't feel very good about them i want you to pray say a prayer for them as we take the communion come on let's let's get it ready let's get it ready and begin to pray right now i want you to pray for not for yourself today i want you to pray for those that you are connected to pray husband pray for your spouse pray for your children wives pray for your spouses pray for anybody that you might have an issue with another believer that, you know, you're just, you're not happy about something they did or whatever. I want you to pray about that thing. And just, I want you to discern the body. Discern the fact. And then pray about the message that you have heard today. Pray about together. Ask God in the name of Jesus to help you. To be able to live together. To live in together. To live in together. Ask God to take away selfishness from your mind. And to cause you to be able to live a life. A life of, of, of self-denial. A life of love. A life of agape love. Come on, pray that right now in the name of Jesus. Clear your heart right now of any animosity, of any bitterness. Clear your heart right now of any kind of division or separation. Everybody watching me, clear your heart right now completely. And let's descend the body at this moment. Let's descend the body. Let's think of the other members of the body of Christ. Let's think about their needs. Let's think about their importance. Let's think about their value. Let's think about all those things right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we partake of the communion today, I thank you, Lord, for your word on together. I just pray that as we take this, Lord, let this be a token, Lord, of the covenant that we have with you and the covenant that we have with one another. I pray for a breaking forth and a release 
of collective operations or collective collective vision of unity unity of language unity of vision togetherness let every heart any heart that is hurt be healed right now let every animosity let any division let it disappear in the name of jesus cause unity to flow in this body in all the way that it expresses itself in the name of jesus and i pray lord for the month of february that this month will bring us together like never before that this month lord will cause us to stand together to walk together to strive together to to fulfill your purpose to reconnect with you and with one another. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to The Globe Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.